John chapter 13 this morning. We're going to begin reading in the first verse. You follow along as I read out loud. John records that it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I am your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Blessed are those who hear it and obey it. This morning we continue our quest to get to meet the real Jesus. I've been reminding you week after week that our goal is not to keep a view of Jesus in our mind that might come from popular culture. It might be something that we've learned over the years that's not true. We want to have an accurate picture of who Jesus really is. We've seen the miracles of Jesus. We've listened to His teachings. But verse 1 in chapter 13 marks a huge transition in this chapter, in this book, excuse me, in this whole section. And it's that reference that Jesus knew that his hour had come. He knew that this was the time. Jesus had been preparing for this. There was a time when they wanted to arrest him. There was a time they wanted to kill him. But we're told that he was protected because it wasn't his hour. It wasn't the right time. The last section of this book now leads us to the point of Jesus' crucifixion, 
and his resurrection. But before we get there in the next few chapters, Jesus begins to open his heart to the disciples. He begins to let them see on the inside. We've seen what he can do, his power over the physical world. We've seen what he believes in his teaching, but now we get to see who he really is in his heart. What I like to say is what makes Jesus tick. And this is what's exciting about this book, is because now Jesus peels back another layer. And we begin to see things about Jesus that we've not seen before. What do we do? What do we see here in this story? Let's walk through it like we've done each week. Let's just take a moment and peel back the story. What do we see? Well, there are three parts to this story. Did you see them? We're told the setting of the story, as usual. But then we're told that Jesus began to wash the disciples' feet. That's one of the action points in the story. And then we're told that Peter had a problem with it. Jesus is going around the table, and he finally gets to Peter. Now, you know that Peter sees him coming. Right? Jesus parks himself right in front of Peter. Peter, uh uh-uh, you're not doing that to me. Peter could see this, this is just not right for Jesus to be washing my feet. And then the, the last part is Jesus then begins to explain what took place. The significance of what had happened. Because you see, when... Your feet were washed. It was done by a servant. Actually, the lowest servant. There were Jewish regulations that it was wrong for a a Jew to wash another person's feet. You had to be a slave to do it. It was so, that was not a binding rule, but that was a social convention. This was just menial work. It was humbling. It needed to be done, but most people didn't want to do it. When Jesus takes off his clothes and wraps himself in that towel, he's taking on the clothes of a servant. Jesus does something here, though. Before he even tells us what it means, he gives us an object lesson. It's a story lesson. It's a picture. Jesus could have done something He could have said, you know what? You guys ought to wash each other's feet. You know that? And probably all of the disciples would have shook their heads and said, yeah, you're probably right. Jesus, by doing this, gives them an object lesson that they would never forget. Because a picture speaks a thousand words. And what we see Jesus doing here is probably a million words in the significance of what happened here. Jesus could have just said, ah, you ought to do this. But by actually washing the disciples' feet, it takes it to a whole new level. We are going to focus on just one primary part of this story. There's a lot here. We're going to come back some other time to look at this this whole story. But we want to focus on the act of service that Jesus does here. 
in washing the disciples' feet. What do we learn about Jesus? As you look at this story, what do we learn about Jesus? Number one, in this story, we learn that Jesus is the necessary way to get to heaven. In that exchange with Peter, Peter's like, you're not washing my feet. Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. This is a theme that we see in John's Gospel again and again. If you want to get to heaven, you've got to go through Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 14. No one comes to the Father except through me. In the beginning of the Gospel of John, John the Baptist sees Jesus one day and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Key wording there. Not a lamb, the lamb. Singular. If we are going to have hope of eternal life, it is going to come through Jesus Christ. That is not a popular idea today. Many people push back against that. Because all religions are equally valid, they'll tell us. doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Jesus said. Many people believe that. We're not called to believe what other people believe. We are called to believe what Jesus taught. The first thing we see in this story about Jesus is he is the necessary way to get to heaven. No other way. The second thing we see in this story is that Jesus is an obedient servant. This story goes with the crucifixion because both of them are acts of service, acts of obedience by Jesus. Jesus was not just a good talker. He was a good actor. He was obedient. Philippians chapter 2, Paul tells us that Jesus left the glory of heaven and came to earth to be a servant. Jesus was not doing this just for the fun of it. We see in this act how far Jesus is willing to humble himself to be a servant and be obedient to God. Guess what? Go fast forward a few chapters and what you're going to find is Jesus humbles himself even more. As he's crucified naked in front of his own mother in a culture where it was a shame to be exposed. Jesus was willing to be humbled so that he might do the will of God. Number three, the third thing we see about Jesus in this passage is Jesus is willing to show his love, not just talk love. Look at verse 1. Verse 1 tells us that Jesus wanted to show them the full extent of his love. This is important. Last week we saw Mary as she broke up that, that expensive ointment and poured it on Jesus' feet. And I told you how important it is For us to show God how much we love Him. 
To not just assume that God knows our heart, but to find ways to demonstrate and show God how much we love Him. What we see today is Jesus is showing His disciples how much He loves them. And we need to find ways today to show that love like Jesus does here. Jesus isn't just a talker. He shows His love. Here and washing their feet and then later when He's crucified and He dies on the cross. So that we might have eternal life. Jesus isn't talking love. He's demonstrating love for us. Number four. And this is big. What do we see in Jesus in this story? We see a humble, obedient servant. We see a guy who's showing his love. But boy, we see that Jesus is just not like us, is he? We're not like Jesus. When we look at Jesus here, we see how different he is from us. This is huge, people. Jesus was willing to do a dirty job. Any of you ever watched that show on cable, Dirty Jobs, with Mike Rowe, remember? This guy would do some of the nastiest jobs, cleaning out things that, I want them cleaned out, but I don't want to do it. And he would get, he'd put on those suits and just be filthy. When he was done. Because he had to climb into places and oh my gosh. Those are dirty jobs. You can tell a lot about a person by what that person does. But did you know you can tell a lot about a person by what a person won't do? And a lot of us won't roll up our sleeves and do the dirty work. And what we see in Jesus here is Jesus is different from us. Because he's willing to get dirty. He's willing to roll up his sleeves and do something that nobody else wanted to do. And then you read the end of the passage. Where Jesus said, you're clean, but not all of you. Symbolizing that he knew that one of his disciples, Judas, was going to betray him. Now, folks, stick with me. Washing the disciples' feet would be hard enough. Washing Judas' feet would be near impossible for us, wouldn't it? Oh, I'd have done it. I'd have pulled out an emery board. I'd have pulled out some a scrub brush. Right? right? He couldn't have walked when I was done with him. Right? Jesus knew what Judas was going to do, and yet he loved him and demonstrated that love just like he did for the other disciples. I couldn't do that. That would be hard to do that. Oh, I'd clean his feet, but I'd spit on him to clean him. Right? Jesus did an act of love and service for Judas just like he did for the other. We see in Jesus a heart that is so much different. From our hearts. How many of us are unwilling to show love to people who have hurt us? Jesus vaguely indicates he's going to be betrayed by one of them. I wouldn't have done that much. 
I'd have said, I know who you are. And I told the other 11, you get him. When I'm gone, you get him. Right? I'd have exposed him. Right? Jesus didn't do that. Because Jesus is not like us. He's different. It's hard enough for us to serve each other. It's hard enough for us to serve the people that we love. What about our enemies? What about those who hurt us? But there are several problems that I see that interfere with us serving others today. There's a lot of them, but let me give you four. They all begin with the letter A to make it easy for you to remember. All right? Number one, the reason we have trouble serving others is a problem with understanding. You say, Pastor, that doesn't start with the letter A, right? How about aptitude? We have a problem with understanding. Jesus even challenged them. Do you understand what I'm doing here? And the obvious answer, no, they didn't. Yeah, they knew what he was doing in washing their feet. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to see somebody take your sandals off and start washing your feet. But Jesus said, do you understand? The reason we have a problem with serving others is we don't understand. We have a problem with our aptitude. What Jesus was showing them is that in Christ, there is a role reversal. And Jesus taught this numerous times. If you want to be first, you've got to be last. There's a reversal here. It's not the way we normally think. In our world, in the world that we live in, the more powerful and the more important you are, the less you do. The more powerful you are, the more important you are, the more people you have doing stuff for you. Jesus comes along and says, do you understand that's not the world I want you to live in? We're called to live in a different world where our roles are reversed. What we also see about Jesus here is that he practices what he preaches. It's one thing for Jesus to say, if you want to be first, you've got to be last. It's another thing for him to humble himself and to sit down and wash men's feet. As you read through this story, you realize that this very time when Jesus is doing this, as Jesus is preparing to be arrested and crucified... The disciples were arguing amongst themselves. Do you remember what the argument was? You remember? It was a question of who was going to be the greatest. Who of them was the most important? There's 12 guys. And guys, you know how it works. Whenever guys think it did that, we start sizing each other up. Who's the most important? Who's the biggest? Who's the richest? Who's the smartest? Right? It's hard for me because when I walk in the room, I'm all of those things. Right? No, I'm not that rich, right? We start sizing each other up, and you know the 12 disciples were sizing each other up. And then you got Jesus saying, well, one of you is going to betray me. And so the others are like, yeah, well, we know one of them is going to wash out, but who's going to be first? Who's the number one disciple? Who's the number two? They were arguing about who's the greatest 
at a time when Jesus is going to lay down his life and die. Do you understand what I'm doing here, what I'm saying? And the answer is no. They didn't understand. Keep your finger there in John 13. Turn over to Luke's Gospel, the 22nd chapter. Just go back one book, the previous Gospel, Luke 22. I want to read you a passage there, what Jesus says. This is important stuff. Luke chapter 22, beginning in the 24th verse. Luke said, A dispute arose among the disciples as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules should be like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who is served, who serves the one at the table? Is it not the one at the table? Jesus, that last line there, but I am among you as one who serves. Why don't we understand We don't understand because we don't understand the system that Jesus is bringing. It's a complete turnaround from what we expect. But it's also a turnaround of what we want. How many of us, if honest, I want people to wash my car. I want people to serve me. I don't want to serve other people. We don't want The system that Jesus is talking about. That interferes with us doing the service we're supposed to do. Second, not only do we have a problem with our aptitude, our understanding, we have a problem with our attitude. You ever have that person at work and I hope you're not one of them? Well, that's not my job. Doesn't matter what pops up, right? Have you ever worked with those people who are just, they know exactly what their job isn't. Every time you ask them to do, that's not my job, that's not my job. I've actually looked at people and said, what is your job? You're so good at telling me what your job isn't, what are you supposed to do? And yet we see this attitude in the church with so many people, that's not my job, it's not my job. We want these things done in the church. We want to make sure that they're happening. But I'm not going to do it. Let somebody else do it. It's not my job description. And that interferes with us doing the service that we're supposed to do. Because we're always expecting other people to do it. Here's a challenge. I'm sure glad that Jesus didn't have that kind of attitude when it came time to go to the cross. Let somebody else do it. Because when it comes to our salvation, somebody needed to do it. And Jesus said, I will. We don't understand. We've got the bad attitude to go along with it. Third, not only do we have a problem with aptitude, a problem with attitude, we also have a problem with action. For too many of us, we see service 
as optional. It's what I call Boy Scout Christianity. Think about it. If you're a Boy Scout, you're going through all these different levels and they teach you all these different things. How to tie knots. How to start a fire without a lighter. Right? And they give you all the steps, all the things that you need to do, and then you do it and you get your little badge. You get your badge that shows that you know how to do those things. Do you do them? No, but I know how to. For too many of us, we are Boy Scout Christians and we know what we're supposed to do. We know how to do it. We just don't do it. It's a problem with action. Because in our mind, knowing how to do it is just as good as doing it. Do we follow Christ? No. But I got a badge that says I know how to. Fourth. We have a problem with aptitude, attitude, action. We also have a problem with appreciation. The motivation behind serving others is an appreciation for how we've already been served. You see, Jesus stooped down to bring us salvation so that we might have eternal life. We didn't deserve it. Why do we turn around and serve other people? Because we appreciate what Jesus has done for us. Once we receive that gift, once we understand what Jesus has done for us, it's easy for us to turn around and help others. But if we don't appreciate, truly understand what Jesus has done for us, it makes it difficult for us to turn around and serve others. Because we don't appreciate what Jesus has done for us, we don't imitate what Jesus has done. Finally, we've been following this outline every week. What's our takeaway? What's our takeaway from this story? What do we get? What does this mean for us today? Because honestly, I ain't washing your feet. Okay? So don't even ask. We don't live in a culture where our feet get dirty when we go from place to place. In that culture, it was necessary. There were times during the rainy season you'd be walking through mud in sandals. And so this was an important cultural and social thing to do. But in our culture today, we don't wash feet because we don't need to wash feet. But we want to be careful that we don't just push this text to the side and say, well, that doesn't apply to us because people don't need their feet washed. Let's move to the next story. What's our takeaway? What are we supposed to learn from this? Number one, make sure... That you have been washed by Jesus. Jesus' words to Peter here are so important. Unless I wash you, you have no part in me. People, there are too many of us who are comfortably in church. Assuming that we're okay. Hey, I'm in church. That's better than a lot of people. Yeah, 
in some ways, being in church is better than not being in church. But if you have not been washed by Jesus, then the implication is clear. You're still dirty. Your sins have not been washed away. Don't get away from this story without seeing that important truth. That's a huge theological point. We need Jesus Christ. Unless we are washed by Jesus, we have no hope of eternal salvation. And this is an act of grace. We don't deserve it. We don't do it for ourselves. Jesus does it for us. Second. That last verse jumped off the page as I was studying this text. Verse 17. Jesus said, If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. What's our takeaway today? Our takeaway is not that we are supposed to get in our heads that we ought to serve. Jesus said, you will be blessed if you do these things. Knowing means nothing if we aren't doing it. I would argue, if we aren't serving others, it shows we don't get it. We don't understand. Most of us, again... If I were to ask you, do you believe we should serve others? Oh, yeah, I believe that. We get it on paper. But we're not serving others like we should. You see, we want to say Jesus is our Lord. But we don't want to do what our Lord tells us to do. Notice Jesus didn't say, it would be really cool if you would think about doing this. If you just entertain the thought, you'll be blessed. No. The blessing doesn't come from knowing. The blessing doesn't come from agreeing with it. The blessing comes from doing it. Just like we saw last week with Mary. Mary wasn't willing to just tell Jesus she loved him. She cracked open that box of perfume and she dumped it on him. Expensive perfume because she loved him. Words were not enough. We want to think of ourselves as loving, serving people. We just don't love and serve. I mean, yeah, okay, I I don't do it, but I'm, I'm a loving person. Just ask me. And in our minds, boy, we're doing a lot. But in actuality, not so much. You see, we want to be blessed. We just don't want to do what Jesus said leads to being blessed. This is a problem, folks. Jesus wasn't just showing us who he was. He did that much. But he also shows us in this text who we're supposed to be. Go back to John 13. 
our text today. John 13 verse 16 says, We are not greater than our master. If Jesus is your Lord, you're not greater than he is. If he can get down and wash somebody's feet, then so can you. Not literally because that's not our culture. But we need to get down and find ways to humble ourselves to do things for people that they don't deserve. Just like Jesus did for the disciples. If you drop down to verse 34, it's beyond our text today. Verse 34 in John 13 says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That word as there is huge. In the same way that I have done it, you need to do it. For too many of us, oh, I love everybody. Just ask, I love everybody. Jesus didn't say that we're to express love verbally for others. He said, as I love, you love. How did Jesus love? By humbling himself and serving. By dying for others. That's the as. That's how we are to do it. Number three. What's our takeaway? We need to find specific ways to show love for each other. Verbal expressions of love are good and important. But what do we know? Talk is cheap. Right? How many of us have people in our lives, oh, I love you, I love you, I love they're right? By your actions, I gotta wonder. Oh, I'll always be there for you, really, as I turn around and you're not there. Verbal expressions of love don't mean as much as actual physical expressions of love. We need to find ways in the church to humble ourselves and show each other that we love each other. If somebody is sick, take them a meal. When one of our shut-ins needs a ride, you can drive a car, can't you? Right? You know what happens when you drive somebody to the doctor? You have to sit there and wait and drive them home. It might cost you a whole afternoon. But you know what? Isn't that what we're called to do? To give up our lives to serve other people? We're so busy doing our own stuff. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't know about you, but I am sick of hearing about how we don't have time to do what Jesus tells us to do. Jesus doesn't suggest this. He said we're to do it. Number four, and I want to camp here for just a minute. This story has implications for us in terms of how we witness. How we tell others about Jesus. You see, the world is watching us. They are watching us because we say we're Christians. And they compare what Jesus taught to how we live. Did you know that? This story has implications for how we witness. Because we run around and say, Jesus is Lord. You need to make Jesus your Lord. And then they look at what Jesus taught and how we live. And they say, really? Because that's not what I'm seeing in you. Jesus didn't suggest that we serve one another. He commands us to serve one another. And how dare we go out and invite people to make Jesus their Lord when we're not even doing it. 
You see, we live in a world where it's normal, it's expected that you will look out for yourself. We live in a weird time. When I went to school many years ago, there was a story, remember, of a, a woman who was being attacked in New York? And all these people in the buildings around heard her being attacked and not one person called. And we studied this 25, 30 years ago. This is a huge moment in our society of people that just won't help. But you realize that 30 years later, it's worse. How many times do we see somebody in trouble and there's people all around? Are they helping? No, they've all pulled out their cell phones and videotaped it. We'll video you being in, you know, something happening to you before we'll jump in and help you. Jesus is teaching us here that service is about rolling up our sleeves and getting involved in other people's lives, humbling ourselves for them. You see, what if the world saw us living out selfless lives, lived in service for others. What if the world saw that? What kind of impact would that have when it comes to us witnessing about Jesus? In this same passage, John 13, drop down to verse 35 quickly. Jesus said, by this, all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. You see, when we only love our friends, when we only love our family, we're just acting like the world. But when we serve those people that we don't even like, when we serve people then when we don't owe them a favor because they've done something for us, when we're serving somebody just because we want to serve them, that is Christ-like love. It's been said that the greatest argument for Christianity is Christians. And in the same breath, the greatest argument against Christianity is Christians. I'm reading a book now. It's written by an atheist. He grew up in the church. He studied. Uh, he went to a Christian college and he, he abandoned his faith. He's, he doesn't believe in God anymore. But he wrote a book. It's fascinating the things that he's... As, as an insider-outsider, he knows what goes on in the church because he's been in the church for so long. He tells the story, I shared this in Sunday school this morning, he tells the story of a woman who's at the bar Saturday night and her goal at the bar on Saturday night was to get drunk and to meet a stranger so she could get laid. He said the next morning, 15 minutes before Sunday school time started, she was right in her Sunday school class ready to teach the children. He said that's the average Christian living one way during the week and acting somehow different on Sundays. He saw that. And that's why he turned, partly of why he turned away from the faith. It's that contradiction. But he then tells a story about another woman that he met whose life was radically transformed by Christ. 
He said now she lives this stuff. She talks this stuff. She's doing what Jesus says. He said, I can argue against her theology. But he said, I can't argue against her life. How she's living her faith. What if we were to start doing that, people? Living for Christ. Showing them what it means to be Christ-like. We would see a difference. We would see people coming to faith in Jesus. Folks, we've tried living both ways. One way in church and one way during the week. If Jesus truly is our master, truly is our Lord, we ought to do this. Yes, it's a dirty job. But if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we need to follow Jesus. Otherwise, why don't we just say, you know what? I'm not a follower of Jesus. I like wearing the label Christian, but I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to do what it takes to be a follower of Christ. Just be honest. We need to stop being phony Christians today. We need to start living for others, just as Jesus did.